Good morning, everyone. You know what? This is going to make it a whole lot easier during the greeting time. Not nearly so many choices that will have to be made. But we're delighted that you're here. We actually had some folks earlier this morning. And, uh, it's a great day to worship the Lord, and it's going to get better and better. By the way, the uh, longer the preacher preaches this morning, the safer it will be when you leave. So be rooting for a real long message this morning. In the unlikely event that there are any who are visiting with us, I would like to welcome you. And uh, if you'd raise your hand if you're visiting with us, Pastor Ed will see you. He's got a packet of information he'd like to give you about the church and then a little card to fill out, put in the offering plate later so we can acknowledge your visit by letter. So just make sure you raise your hand and he'll see you. He'll get that information to you. Um, opportunities for ministry, opportunities to serve the Lord are rampant in the bulletin, so let me encourage you to be sure to read through that. Taste of the World Dinner is coming. That's in connection with the Missionary Conference, and we're really gearing toward the Missionary Conference right now. The Taste of the World Dinner is March 13th. We'd like to have you signed up, if we could, by next Sunday, March 1st. That's two weeks before the event, so that means you have to think and make plans maybe a little earlier than usual, but it, it helps the, uh, the planning of that. And you can read more about the conference in the bulletin. We could use some help in hosting missionaries. Um, that's either for a meal or if you want to put them up for a day or several days while they're here for the conference as well. If you would like to have your heart warmed, 10 children from second grade through fifth grade made posters inviting everyone to the missionary conference. And they're displayed on the wall following the nursery in that hallway there like you do look them over and we want to thank the children for doing this are any of the children here who did one of those posters any of them and there's one that was unfair i knew she was there <laughs> we're starting a visitors new members class soon you can check out all you need to know about that in the bulletin i won't make any further comment uh, but please be sure to be reading the bulletin for more opportunities to grow in Christ and reach out to the world to learn about those ministries where each one of us can be helpful. Uh, one thing I might like to suggest is the uh, first hymn that we sing a little bit later on. Those of you that are in the back, if you can move forward, it'd be great if we could cluster a little bit. It'll help the music and the spirit of, of um, community and corporateness. So when you get a chance to do that, that would be very helpful. And be sure to be praying for our high school and middle schoolers who are returning from retreat today. Lord willing, this afternoon and pray that even during this time that it'll be a great close to their weekend together and there'll be many challenges for that. Let's look to the Lord together in prayer now. Our Father in heaven, this morning we're going to be thinking about what it is to hallow your name. But even before we do that, we pause to hallow your name together in the sense that we desire to appreciate your holiness, your sacredness, your apartness from all of us and from everything else because you're God, you're great God, and uh, we're simply granted the privilege of being your children. Thank you for that, and thank you for the fact that your name is something that is very special. It's something that you want to exalt along with your word. So we thank you for that, and we pray that you'd help us as we worship that this would be a great time of worship together, not for our sake, but a great time so that we can truly worship you in spirit and in truth. So we thank you for that, and thank you for the blessing of being able to 
be a part of what you're doing here now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now for that time to greet one another. And uh, you shouldn't have a lot of choices. So make sure we greet everybody in here several times. can find your way back to your seats. We'll continue. Don't feel bad about the numbers. The majority of churches in America, this would be a good Sunday to have this many people. So um, we should pray for them and rejoice in ourselves being together for this time. Turn in your hymnal to 262, a song which ascribes holiness to God over and over again throughout this. All persons of the Trinity, we're going to be thinking more about God's name and what it means to uh, say that his name is hallowed. And uh, this will come back into our minds, I think, as we consider that. Would you stand with me? We'll sing all four stanzas.
Now hang on to your hymnals and don't sit down. In the front, you'll find, I hope, a copy of the Apostles' Creed. I think it's good for us from time to time to be reminded of the basics that we believe about our God. And so if you have it there inside the front cover, I believe, um, if you have one that's pretty white, then you've got the revised version, the new one that we've created. So we'll read that. You'll read with me together. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. For those things, we're delighted in God because they all come from him. Would you keep your hymnal, we'll turn to 268, 268, God our Father, we adore thee. Praise you. We'll sing all four stanzas.
Please join me in a time of prayer. Father, we thank thee that uh, you brought us out here this morning. We thank thee for what you mean in our lives, for the grace you've given to each of us, Father. We thank you that you love us so much, Father, and we struggle sometimes with understanding that love and to be able to express that to, back to you. And we're, we're thankful for your word and for your spirit that lives within us, and we just pray that you'd continue to guide us, to mature us, in that relationship with you, Father. And we're thankful for that. And we just pray for those folks who couldn't be with us this morning and we pray that you keep them safe, Father, from um, from this weather and uh, from the ice and the snow. And we just uh, commit them to you and ask that you would lead them in, in, in a time of reflection on you, Father, and give them an opportunity to, to experience you as well this morning. We think of our, our high school and middle school kids uh, in a way that as they close out their weekend, Lord, that it would be, a, a, again, a time of maturing for them and a, a time of uh, getting to know each other well as well as you, and we just commit them to you for safety as they travel home. We think of others that are away from us, uh, especially our missionaries. Um, we have uh, a great privilege to uh, be involved with them and to hear uh, about their work <clears throat> throughout uh, so many countries, Father, and we think of the upcoming conference and those that are becoming to uh, share with us what they're, what's going on, what you're doing in the world, Father, and how you're affecting lives throughout this world. And We thank you for each of them. We think especially this morning for Pat Black and her work um, in getting materials translated into other languages, Father, uh, teaching material, and for her abilities uh, to teach and to share and to train others to uh, spread the gospel, Lord, and we, we thank you for Pat. And we think also of uh, other folks away from us, especially our military folks. Uh, uh, and this, this morning, uh, this week, we think of Neil and Jen Kaufman. And again, would you uh, keep them uh, safe, Father, uh, help them in their education that they're undertaking and uh, the experiences they have, Father. Again, we just pray for their families and those that uh, care much for them and don't get to see them as often as uh, they would like. And, just pray uh, for that uh, opportunities for communication with them, and that would it would be great for them. And we think of it also our college students, and we think of uh, Jessica and uh, Ashawari, and we just pray for that you would keep them focused on their studies, but also on you, Father, and, and not be distracted uh, by the world. And we think uh, we thank you for our leaders here, our elders, and our trustees, and I think especially of Tom Shaker this morning, Father, and, and his commitment to, to uh, work here with our facilities, and just pray for all of our elders that you would uh, direct them and give them uh, new uh, interests, Father, as they uh, are in new uh, positions of leadership, <clears throat> and we just pray that uh, you give them wisdom <clears throat> to uh, make correct decisions <clears throat> and use our facilities uh, correctly, Father, and our money as well. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to encourage them through our giving and to uh, be a part of these uh, great facilities and, and the, the uh, different events that go on here, Lord. And we just pray that you would uh, guide us in our giving, Father, uh, especially through these, these winter months, and uh, that we would be faithful in our giving. And so we uh, commit these uh, offerings this morning to you now, and, and thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen.
you stand with me and sing our thanks to the Lord for his blessings? The doxology stand as we sing. Majestic, full of power, full of glory, full of majesty. This morning we worship his holy name. Scripture tells us in Psalm 72, 19, And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Psalm 8, 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. His name is wonderful.
children, if there are any children here, now's the time for you to head for kids' worship. Or you can stay with your parents if you'd like. We're going to look at some scripture here that sort of tells how God introduced himself to Israel. Um, it's almost as though Israel sort of knew about this God out there, but didn't know who he was and never been introduced. And so in Exodus, we see some situations where Moses finds out what God's name is, and that's very central to what we're thinking about this morning. So I'd like you to read with me responsibly. I'll read the darker print in italics if you'll read the bolder white print. Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Yahweh, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt. On another occasion, the Lord came down in a cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name Yahweh. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. I will thank Yahweh with all my heart. I will declare all your wonderful works. I will rejoice, rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name, Most High. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. There's a hymn that lists a lot of names of our Savior and the names of God, which were many in the Old Testament, at least the ascriptions to him in the form of titles, seems to be carried over the New Testament. And our Savior has a lot of titles as well, things that give us hope and understanding of who he is and what he does. Turn to 111, would you? And we'll sing the first and the fourth stanzas, join all the glorious names, and then we'll sing some of those names. Would you stand with me? Stanzas 1, 4, and 5.
seated. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the Lord Jesus was giving a model prayer in answer to the question of would he teach his disciples to pray. And he said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We've looked together at our Father and then the in heaven part. This morning we're going to be looking at hallowed be your name. You've heard a lot already this morning of God's holiness. You've heard about his name and the many names of God. And let's put that into a scriptural perspective now together. Let's join together in prayer before we look to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for the privilege that we have of again calling you Father. Thank you again for the privilege we have of taking our thoughts heavenward and understanding that that's where you are in one sense, but you're not limited to time and space. You're here indwelling those who are believers in Christ by your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for that, and thank you that even now we can understand a little bit more about what it is to have a hallowed name, and for us, each one of us, not only to understand what that is, but to have a part in understanding the, the, the way we can share that with others as well. So we thank you for this, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is quite evident that something awful has happened to prayer. Over a long period of time, and it seems to be getting worse and worse, it's lost its original purpose. Prayer was given to us to draw us closer to our Heavenly Father, the one that we address in the Lord's Prayer and in other prayers. Prayer was given to us as a means to glorify our Father who's in heaven. It was intended to exalt His great name and help us to conform to His will. It was God-centered. That's how prayer was always meant to be. The focus was always God, and it was about Him. What we often see now in the name of prayer would make a department store Santa Claus happy, but not necessarily be what God is looking for. God's not given us prayer as a means to the end of having our wish lists granted. And how often it has become that in our society and our world today. Instead of being selfless, prayer is largely selfish anymore. And I think you can understand as you look around at the world and you see everything that is going on, you see that many times people only turn to God when they're looking for something, when they want something. It's as if God were now the genie of everyone, or at least they, they hope that he would be for them, and they will call out when they have needs. There are some today, and in fact many today, probably more than we think. As I've been doing research, I was kind of astounded to see how often this takes place. Some who teach that they have a right to demand of God anything that they want provided that they ask it in faith. But if they ask something in faith, God is then obligated to give them whatever they want. Sometimes we hear that referred to as the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Um, sometimes we see it as name it and claim it, confess it and possess it, but it's the whole idea that I can do whatever I want to do and God's obligated to give me what I want. You can see that focus on prayer has shifted from God to us and to the things that we want. But prayer has not been granted for us to try to manipulate the mind of God to our way of thinking, but for us to know 
the mind of God and to trust that His will is what's best for all of us. The pattern prayer before us, the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, if you will, teaches us an important lesson right from the very beginning. And that important lesson is that prayer begins with God, not with me and my needs. There's a statement here against self-seeking prayer. So prayer begins with a reminder that God is our Heavenly Father, continues then to point us heavenward to remind us of the holiness of God in that little expression, hallowed be your name. What a great expression, hallowed be your name. Someone has written this about that. How clearly is the fundamental duty of prayer set forth. Self and all its needs must be given a secondary place. And the Lord freely accorded the preeminence in our thoughts and supplications. This petition must take the precedence for the glory of God's great name is the ultimate end of all things. I don't have this on the screen or on your outline, but in James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it presents it clearly. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. That's what we become. We don't get what we ask for because we're praying selfishly according to our own passions. We want what we want. God exists in order to give us what we want, and if he doesn't give us what we want, then something's wrong with him. Well, let's examine the scripture before us in this phrase in particular. What is meant by hallowed, by even that word hallowed? It's not a word that we see a whole lot anymore. But sometimes when we hear that word hallowed, we may think of the hallowed halls of some old ivy-covered institution. Sometimes we think of long robes and dismal chants, dark candlelit cavernous rooms, somberness, silence. Hallowed is a word that almost echoes. Can you hear that, that, that echo in the word hallowed? Practically echoes for us. Some of us think of Halloween that is derived from hallowed eve, a special eve before all saints' day. But what does the Bible mean when the word hallowed is used? And what do we mean when we pray that in the Lord's Prayer? Or do we have any idea what we mean when we pray hallowed be your name? The word hallowed is only used twice in the translation that we have in the ESV. It was only used twice in the translation we used before that in the NIV. But the Greek word behind it is used around 30 times in the scriptures, just not always translated hallowed. There are synonyms for that as well. The word in Greek is the word hagiadzo. The word hagiadzo means to make or render or declare sacred or holy. The noun form of this word is actually the word holy. It means to treat something or someone as sacred, to hold something or someone as separated, revered, set apart, different. In the New Testament, the word is translated as sanctify or sanctified many more times than it is hallowed. When we're thinking about hallowed be your name, it wouldn't hurt to think of the word holy. But at the same time, as you look on the screen and you see sacred, holy, separated, revered, set apart, different, the idea of sanctified, that God is other than we are, he's way above what we are, 
God is absolutely unique and there's nothing in the universe that is close to him. We're saying a whole lot when we say hallowed be your name. But we're saying it in a unique way because there's only one person who really should be hallowed and that's God. Now let me ask you a question. In the Lord's Prayer, are we asking God to make himself holy? Are we praying, hallowed be your name, make yourself holy? And uh, I see some um, frowns and some heads going east to west. Uh, No, that would be ridiculous. God is already perfectly holy. He couldn't be any more holy, and he doesn't have to make himself something that he already is in absolute perfection. The prayer here is not that God may become holy or holier, but that he be treated as holy. That we understand his holiness. We understand the privilege that we have to have audience with the greatest personage in the entire universe. Hallowed is his name, and it has to be with us in our thinking as well. The prayer should be prayed so that we're responding to his holiness, and we may even pray, may your name be holy in the way that I live. May everything about me contribute to the fact that you're holy. In other words, to hallow is to treat as holy, not to make God more holy, but to recognize his holiness, and then to seek to show that to others. Hallowed be your name, holy set apart. May it be that way in our midst. May it be that way in my life. May people see that as they know who I am. That's what hallowed is. What is a hallowed name? When we're looking now at the word name in particular, does this verse tell us that we should treat the name of the Lord with reverence? Is that what it's saying? Well, certainly it is. It's saying at least that. Does it teach that we should not take the name of the Lord in vain? Well, yes, it certainly does teach that, among other things. We're taught that also. That's certainly a commandment. But only part of what's intended for us. It's quite true that we should never take the name of the Lord in vain. We should never use his name in a careless, light, or profane manner, as many, many do. We should never use the name of the Lord as the the, the part of a joke, and people are, are joking about God and all this type of thing. That's, that's a careless use of God's name. That shouldn't be done by any of us. But here the name is more than just the title of someone. It's more than just a handle. That name that is hallowed is not just the name, it's the person behind the name as well. In the Bible, a name often was tantamount to a description of an individual. That's even more true of God. His name is who he is. It describes him. Let's turn together to Exodus chapter 34. I could turn to dozens of scriptures with every point that will be made in the next couple of minutes. I'm not. I'll sample a couple of them, though. Exodus chapter 34, as you might expect, the Bible is filled with God. And so many things about God and his name and so many things about God and his holiness. But in Exodus chapter 34, you pick up in verse 5. The hymn that is referred to here is going to be Moses. When it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, when you see the name of the Lord, if you look around in the verses that follow, you will very often see a descriptive 
description of God and his qualities and his character. And you'll do the same thing here. It's not just proclaiming the name of the Lord. He didn't just get up there and keep saying the name over and over again. It says the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then it goes on to say, but he does have fairness and justice and there is penalty, there is judgment, that sort of thing. But what we're looking at here, he's proclaiming the name of the Lord, but it's not just the title. It is the person of who he is. God called himself by many different names in the Bible to reveal to us his nature and his attributes and his character. God's names are a summary of his person. God's names are his description. I might describe myself to a stranger on the phone if I were to pick someone up at the airport and I'm telling him what I look like, who I am, so that I can come and I can get him and he can see me in the crowd that is there. I might tell him my height, my weight, my hair color, any distinguishing marks, which I don't think I have any, or mannerisms that I have, and uh, how I would be dressed. If I told him my name's Paul, that would mean nothing to him. In fact, it could be confusing because some of you know the name Paul actually means small. And most people don't consider me small, so that's not going to help him at all. Different with God. He describes himself with his names that reveal not his outward persona, but what he is inwardly and who he is to the core. That's what we see in the names of God. God describes himself with his names that reveal his character. So when we hear a name of God, we get a little bit more of a picture of who God actually is. Alden Union Church is noted because our first pastor, Pastor Dean, wrote a book called Names of God. That's a book that in circles of that time was well known. Uh, Still to this day, we have it in our library and many of you will have copies of that as well. The names of God, every one of them, gives us a glimpse more of who God is, that name that's to be hallowed, that person that is to be hallowed. For example, Elohim. If you start reading through the Bible, the first name of God you will see is Elohim. In the beginning, God. You'll see capital G and then small letters O-D. That's Elohim. Elohim, the creator God, the all-powerful God. He wants us to know that, and that's there in that name. Elsewhere in Scripture, we'll see El Elyon, the God Most High. We'll see El Olam, the eternal or everlasting God. Elroy, the God who sees me. You could stop and meditate on that for a long time too. The God who sees me. He wants us to know that about him. He wants us to realize that nothing escapes his notice. He knows exactly what we've done already today. He knows those of us who are ashamed of some of our activities this day already. And if we go back in time, he knows all about all of that. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the God of the mountains, God Almighty, Emmanuel, God with us. And he did come and was with us in the person of the Lord Jesus. Jehovah or Yahweh, 
We sang a lot, or we heard a lot about Yahweh today in Scripture, and for some, that's not as familiar a term. That was a different translation. That was the Holman Christian Standard we read from. Yahweh, I am. The one who is the self-existent one. The one that you will see referred to in Scripture with all capital letters when you see the word Lord that is there. Jehovah Jireh. Somebody tell me what Jehovah Jireh means. I bet you some of you know that. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Mekadishim, the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. And Lord willing, we'll see more about that this evening when we talk about David and Goliath. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is... Come on. Peace. Thank you. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, the Lord my companion. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You think about that and you think about the dozens, literally dozens, close to a couple of hundred names for the Lord Jesus Christ that reveal his character and his attributes. When we say, hallowed be your name, we're talking about a person. Hallowed be the person that all of these names gives us not even a composite, but as much as he wants to reveal to us verbally. That's what we have when we say, hallowed be your name. The God who's all-encompassing, the God who is all of these things all at once. So the Lord's name is the same as the Lord's person. Hallowed be your name. Holy, sacred, set apart, we could say, are you, O O Lord. A sample of a few verses. Psalm 9, verse 2. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Do you see how that works? I will sing praise to your name. It's not just the name, because the name is telling us a little bit about God, O Most High, in that particular context. And so we're exalting the name, but the person behind the name, the one who is the Most High of absolutely everything. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation I will praise you it's not just telling a name it's telling that name to others so that he can be praised Psalm 115 verse 1 not to us O Lord not to us but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness and again we see more of God associated with a name Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. In Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Obviously, the righteous man isn't running into a name. He's running into the one who can encircle him with his arms of protection and blessing and love. That's what's happening in Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord includes his attributes, his character, his power, his authority, his reputation, and his person. We could very easily and very accurately pray in this way, although it's a little stilted language, but this is very true. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be you. That should be in our hearts. It's not just the name. The name signifies the person. One writer quotes Shakespeare in Romeo and Juliet. 
What's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And the writer goes on to say, by this he intimated that the name of an object is not really too important since the name by which we call things doesn't alter their character or essence. To call them by some other name would really make no essential difference. Well, that may be true of objects. It may be true of roses. But it's not true when it comes to the names of God. We cannot separate them from the essence and the person of who God is without great damage and great loss. One of the great verses in the scripture. Now, that's not true. They're all great. They're equally great. But this is one that stands out on many occasions when we're trying to find out what's really, really significant to God. In Psalm 138, verse 2, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. God's attributes, God's character, God's word, what comes from him. You've exalted them above everything else. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name and exalting his name and his word are priorities. To help us get a grip on this idea, I'd like to compare this with what can be implied by a name in business. You think of a, a company that you have confidence in. Think of a, a business, think of something in just, just for one. Uh, how about Rolls Royce? Uh, I just picked that because that happens to be uh, my wife's Tuesday car that we have. And then, no, I, I guess not really. But in that name, Rolls Royce, here's what's written of it. When we see that name stamped on a car or an aircraft engine, we immediately have a special regard and respect for it. In that name resides the reputation of one of the world's most renowned engineering firms. That name stands for the finest in mechanical engineering. It represents the most advanced research. It bears the stamp of meticulous care and precision. It symbolizes the ultimate in reliability and dependability. It denotes the highest degree of craftsmanship and design. The preceding was a paid advertisement, by the way. No, that, that name costs a whole lot as well because of the name that is there. But think about our Father's name. Hallowed be His name. And if you think about that for just a moment, you multiply that with the finest companies in the entire world. Take Rolls-Royce and all the other companies, put them all in a box together. doesn't come anywhere close to the hallowed name of the Lord, of which anything great that could be said has to start with Him. So sacred was God's name to the Old Testament Jews that it could not be spoken or even put into human language. It was represented in writing by the consonants Y-H-W-H. Later they added some vowels, they changed the consonants a little bit uh, with regard to the language, but we got Jehovah from that. We uh, added a few more vowels, and from there that's where we get that word Yahweh from, the great I Am, a name for God. But it was represented in writing by those consonants. It's, again, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in our translations. But again, remember, it is not the name of it, God by himself. It's not just the name. It's God who's also involved in this. That's what's hallowed. 
This is where the Jews made a mistake, the people of Israel. They hallowed the name, but they slipped from hallowing the Lord himself. They were pretty good about saying it's a holy name, we can't even say it. But then they forgot to honor the God behind the name. And you see that over and over again with the history of the Israelite people as recorded in the Old Testament. Over and over again, they deserted him. They went astray. They did what they wanted to do. The very thing that God told them not to do. No idols. They would worship idols. Don't intermarry with those who are there who are the heathen because they'll take you toward these other idols. That's what they would do. They ended up despising the name of the Lord. And other writers paraphrased and expanded what is really meant by the opening phrases of the Lord's Prayer. could go something like this. Our Father, who loves us and cares for us, and who has in heaven supplies to meet our every need, may your person, your identity, your character, your reputation, your very being always be honored. Leads me to one final question. How can we help to answer our own prayers. If that's part of our prayer, hallowed be your name. That's part of what we're praying. How can we help to answer our own prayer? When I say answer our own prayer, you know how that works. You'll be reading in the bulletin and you'll see that we have nursery needs. And you'll say, oh, I'm going to pray about that. Um, help, us to, um, help us to get the people we need to work in the nursery. And you realize you could answer your own prayer by volunteering to help in the nursery. Uh, we can do the same thing here when we say, hallowed be your name. We can help to work that out. We can help by doing three things that I want to mention here. First of all, we've seen this very recently, honoring his word by obeying it and by personal holiness. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In other words, be hallowed yourself. Be sacred. Be set apart. Be different. Remember, he's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, and he tells us he wants us to be hallowed. He wants us to be holy. So that's how we can help to answer this prayer because people are constantly looking at his children and evaluating him on the basis of his children. And sometimes that evaluation doesn't end up very well for the cause of the Lord. Disobedience and unrighteousness do not hallow God's name. There was an act of disobedience in the Old Testament that was very, very far-reaching. If you think back to Numbers chapter 20, there was an incident where Moses was told by the Lord to speak to a rock and water would come out. But Moses was really uptight at that particular time. He was, he was angry. Moses took his staff and he struck the rock, not once but twice. Do you know what? The water came out because God's merciful and God's a gracious God. The water did come out, but there was a big problem. It was as a result of that disobedience. What happened to Moses? He was not allowed to go into the promised land as a result of that. And here's what it says in Numbers 20, verses 11 and 12. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, 
Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. What was his problem? What was Moses' problem? Didn't believe God, didn't uphold him as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, did not honor the word of the Lord, therefore did not honor the Lord. How can we help to answer our own prayers by honoring the Lord? When he tells us to do something, we do it. We don't strike a rock twice when he tells us to speak to the rock. We do what he tells us to do. That's one way we can help to answer our own prayer. The second way is to honor his name. And now we're back to the commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord would not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Among us, and we've said this before in keeping when we're talking about the Lord himself, we've got to be very, very careful that from our mouths we don't have things come that take God's name and drag it into the mud and don't even regard it in a careless way or a meaningless way. We don't take that name in vain. In Malachi chapter 1, we read, A son honors his father, and this is God speaking, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. And then he goes on to say, you're bringing your leftovers, your spares. You're bringing things that you think are worthless, that you don't want, you don't need. You're bringing them to me. But what he's saying in effect to them is, you're not honoring me. You're not honoring my name. How can we help to answer our own prayers? By honoring God's word, by honoring his name. And the last one might surprise you a little bit. By honoring his day. God regarded that as something that was very significant. We don't believe that we've got to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a a day that's not the Lord's day. It's not Sunday. But we do believe there was an eternal principle that was established long before the law. And that was one day out of seven was a day of rest. And it came to be a day of worship as well. That was before the law. It was reiterated in the law. It was mentioned again after the law. You'll see that in our church covenant. It's something we believe that Sunday is a day that is set apart for the worship of the Lord. Legalistically, we don't tell everybody what you can and can't do on Sunday to violate this. But what we do tell us that we should be thinking about this. There are certain things we should and should not be doing on that Lord's day. And what it says in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. Listen to these verses, very significant. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day. Remember what we're talking about? Holy is his name. Well, holy, he says, is his day as well. So if you're turning your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord, if you call that honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 1 Peter 2.9, we're called to be a holy nation. That's what we are, and that's what we need to live out. So that, in fact, the name of the Lord is hallowed because we're hallowing his day. We're hallowing his word. We're hallowing everything about him that we can. One verse, one actually two verses in closing. You'll turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9. 
Ezra chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. I'm sorry, Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. I'm not going to read the names at the beginning of verse 5. You may read them at your leisure, but to save a little time. But picking up in verse 5, these are all Levites. Here's what they said. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. That's the God whose name we hallow. And that's Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the uh, time went by, at least I know for me, very quickly. And there's so much more that could have been said about your great name and hallowing that great name and what we can do to be a part of that. But we're content to know that what you wanted to be said was said. And I pray that as we've been through many scriptures in rapid succession, we've seen many verses, we've seen a lot of principles, I pray that you would help each one of us to be able to interact exactly where you desire to have us because you intersected your truth with us today, not by accident. So speak to our hearts and help us to respond, and we would thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn 266 gives us opportunity to respond with our lips and uh, make a verbal commitment to hallow God and his name. 266, would you stand with me? We'll sing the first, second stanzas, and the last stanza, 266.
Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take us from here, and I ask in a personal way that you would take each one to their homes or places of destination safely. But take us from here then to go out into this world to understand that holy are you and hallowed is your name. And may others see that in the way that we honor your name and your word and your day. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.